was the week before Christmas. Oh my god, you liar. 1967. <laughs> Not a creature was stirring. On earth or in heaven. The Cold War was raging. The arms race was tense. Point Pleasant was cold, calm, and still innocent. Oh. The strange men in black were awaiting their cues. A haunting winged figure was making the news. <gasps> and John Keel and his kerchief and I and my trip... <laughs> Had been whacked out of our brains on a long 60s trip. That's adorable. Oh, I gotta re game. I worked hard on this. I'm very excited. To keep going. This is very good. When out on Silver Bridge there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. Two eyes burning red <gasps> over the new fallen snow oh, no. gave a luster of terror to objects below. When what to my horrified eyes did appear but a massive and mothy harbinger of fear oh, no. with leathery wings flapping instead of hands and eyes like red torches, he was here, the Mothman. More rapid than eagles, his terrible flight, and he screeched and then blinked under yellow lamplight. Come, dwellers and travelers of Point Pleasant Town, I bring omens of doom and of cars falling down. With tears and much grief, your kin will remember, should you, Silverbridge, cross on the Ides of December. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount up to the sky, so up to the silver bridge Mothman he flew, granting dreams of misfortune to heads old and new. And then, in a screech, I heard from above the flapping of wings much too eerie to love. <laughs> as I, I did my best. I love you, Mothman! <laughs> as I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney the Mothman ungracefully bound. <laughs> he was dressed all in black from his head to his claws, his wings fully brandished, red eyes like yule logs, a sack of owl pellets and uranium on his back. He looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they burned! His wings, how scary! <laughs> his legs were so muscled, his shoulders so hairy, his strange massive mouth was curled into a frown, his strange cryptid body hovered up off the ground. The cruel omen of death hung upon him like smoke. It was clear to us then. This wasn't a joke. He was fearsome and dark. A portent of doom, and I screamed when I saw his wings fill the room. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had something to dread. He screeched not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laid his wingtip aside of his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to the air, and to the night gave a whistle, and away he did flap like the down of a thistle, but I heard him explain, ere he drove out of sight. Mothman Christmas to all, <laughs> and to all, a dark night! Oh! Merry Mothman Christmas! Ew, that was good. I loved that. Merry Mothman Christmas, everybody. I'm Morgan. And I'm Panda. And this is The Dumb and the Restless. Yeah. Uh, here you are with us on Christmas morning, hopefully, if you've got literally nothing better to do with yourself. True. But uh, anytime after Christmas morning... I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas. Or any other wonderful um, holiday that you celebrate. Or any other wonderful holiday that you celebrate. We are here today to present Mothman Christmas. That's right. It's the reason for the season. It is the reason for the season. And, you know, after doing all of this research, which, like, I don't know about you, but I relied heavily upon the Mothman prophecies. John Key. Whom we are going to get into a oh, yeah. crazy amount of detail this with is, today. This is his moment. It's true. This is the John Keel experience. Um, 
but uh I I learned in my research that uh Mothman is actually quite the humanitarian and I'm really excited that we get to like He's a good guy. We get to dive into that. First of all, Mothman is a good guy. So Second of all, he's also real scary. He is. I mean, he who is. wouldn't be scared seeing like a 7-foot tall gray creature with glowing red eyes? So what happened Panda on our very first Mothman Christmas. So I actually have quite a bit to tell you. The reason for the season. The reason for the season. So first and foremost, we are talking about the sleepy little town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Right on the border where like Ohio and Virginia and West Virginia meet, like along the north side of West Virginia. Um, Currently, as of today, there's about 4000 residents in this town. But back in the 60s, where our story takes place, it's closer to 6,000. And keep in mind, Olympia, where we live, it had like 20,000 people in it in the 60s. Yeah. So no, that's like the size of Kenai, Alaska. Very tiny, Point very Pleasant. tiny a little, little town. tiny town. So not much ever happened, despite old wives' tales of a curse that lasted hundreds of years. That is until the fall of 1966. On November 12th, 1966, five men were in a cemetery preparing a burial site in Clendendon, Washington, West Virginia. Oh, my God. West Virginia. Washington? Well, it's a W. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That looks like W.A. Uh, When they all saw something unexplainable. Lifting out of some nearby trees was an enormous brown, black, winged creature. All agreed that what had flown out of the trees was no bird. It was humanoid. Written off as nothing but a strange story, no one was expecting what would come next. If there was anything this particular area was known for, it was the West Virginia Ordnance Works, known to locals as the TNT area. This region was used during World War II to manufacture most of their ammunition and dynamite. Because, plus, it's West Virginia. All you gotta do is shift that over to the coast and it's Mm -hmm. off. Unused ammunition... Eventually, like, because they kept it in storehouses, they called little igloos, and that's kind of, like, all those little hovels that they built under the t- under the ground. Yeah. Um, but the unused ammunition that was kept in those eventually seeped into the groundwater, specifically the local ponds, and by 1983 was declared one of the USA's most polluted sites. But I digress, because Mothman is a true environmentalist, in my mind. <laughs> Wait, so... So this is actually, this is a part of the story I'm, I'm not so familiar with. Yeah. It, are are you positing that Mothman is like a product of pollution, like a Godzilla style? No, what I'm saying is Mothman was trying to warn these people <gasps> to clear out this because oh. by 1983, it was declared one of the most polluted oh. sites in America. Wow. He's a humanitarian. I'm telling you. I love you. that for him. I'm Whoa. telling you. love that for you, Mothman. Anyway. It was here at the TNT area, late on a cold November evening, that one of the most infamous Mothman sightings occurred. Just a few days after the sighting at the cemetery, on November 15th, 1966, two young couples were driving through an expanse of housings, which are those little igloos, igloos, dubbed the TNT area. Roger and Linda Scarberry were driving with Steve and Mary Millette, in the Scarberry's black 57 Chevy, Bel Air, around 11.30. It is said that they were just looking to, like, hang out with people, but, you know, it's the 60s. Who knows? Were they? Oh, they were making out. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, Linda noticed, unbelievably, two large glowing red eyes out in the darkness by the old North Power Plant and let out a scream. They soon learned that the eyes looked like they belonged to something vaguely human about seven feet tall, with distinct wings tucked behind its back. The whole car was silent before Roger snapped back into reality and peeled away from the creature. Before they knew it, the unknown creature was chasing them. Oh, God. Roger sped up to outrun it, reaching over 100 miles an hour, but the creature kept up, not flapping its wings once, but taking off to pursue them. How fucked up would that be, though? Like, you're just a 60s person, and you have no framework for this. Yeah. You're just being fucking chased down by this guy. When they finally reached the city limits of Point Pleasant, they realized the creature was no longer following them, and weirdly, that a dead dog they had sped by was once no longer there. 
Once they had stopped and talked it over, the two couples decided to drive back to the TNT area to see if the creature was just protecting, like, its living area, or if it was still there, or, like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Just a bunch of amateur biologists. Yeah. I mean, that's the sport of the century right there. Their fears were doubly confirmed when they made it back and found the full creature in their headlights. <gasps> they realized their stalker was no bird. But they watched it as it lifted vertically in the air with tremendous speed and disappeared above the tree line. Upon returning back to town, they immediately told their story to Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead. A few hours later, city police began to investigate the TNT area, but came back saying, but came back saying that they were empty handed. There's like a story where the deputy heard like some sort of screech in the distance but, like, shook it off mm -hmm. as, like, some weird radio static or something. On November 16th... <laughs> Screeching. I know. <laughs> so the very next morning, on November 16th, 1966, city police held a press conference about the encounter, causing others to come forward with past and eventually future sightings of the same bird-like man-creature. An anonymous copy editor was responsible for coining the name Mothman spun off of a Batman comic book character. Dude, fucking imagine being on the Mothman Task Force. Yeah. Can we get t-shirts that say that? Mothman, Mothman task, task, Force. task Force. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. That evening, Virginia and Raymond Wamsley, along with Marcella Bennett and her baby daughter Tina noticed something strange flying around the TNT area, and it was seen glowing or blinking red. Yeah, 911, my baby just saw Mothman. They heard some gunshots in the distance near the power plant, but thought nothing of it as they said their farewells for the evening. Hmm. While walking back to the car, Marcella noticed a dark figure stir behind it. It rose slowly, big and gray, Bigger than a man with glowing red eyes, Marcella would later mention. She froze entirely, her baby. And I'm talking, like, when we talk baby, we're talking like a two-year-old. We're mm. not talking about, like, a baby baby. Okay. Be cooler if it was a baby. Um, her baby slipping from her arms oh, and no. landing on the ground with a small cry. I take it back. I take it back. Marcella was transfixed on the glowing red eyes on the headless, towering creature. She just dropped her baby? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Mothman made me drop my baby. It's just like the paranormal <laughs> version of Jingo's ate my baby. <laughs> the great... Imagine having to explain that head injury. Like, this kid had to grow up and be like, Mommy, did you ever drop me on my head? <laughs> Why am I like this? Oh, it's because that, that night we saw Mothman. Jimothy. Jimothy. Everything's fine. Okay. So, its great wings slowly unfurled, and Raymond Wamsley frantically and finally grabbed the paralyzed Marcella and her baby and ran back into the house, bolting the door. God, that's intense. There was a sound on the porch, and two red eyes peered in through the window. Raymond frantically phoned the police, but by the time they got there, Mothman was gone. On November 17th, like, these... These first sightings like, day after day. Like, they literally like, are crazy back to back. Mothman shit day after day. And what's weird is, like, I mean, we'll get there, but, like, what's weird is, like, they slow down a little bit, but people keep reporting seeing really weird shit. Mm -hmm. So and There's, like, UFO sightings and stuff. Oh, yeah, we're going to get like, there. I know, oh, we're going to get there. Get there. <laughs> like, it, I'm very it's just excited. The concentration of, like, just these crazy high strangest events in this one tiny time period is just like i know it's so whack plus like it's flatwoods so is just like a, a skip and a hop away yeah and it, that's all in the appalachian like freaking like yeah it's just a hotbed of high strangeness i'm very into it so speaking of aliens actually on November 17th, 1966, across the Ohio River, almost directly opposite of the TNT area, Mrs. Roy Groves was woken up at quarter to five by her dog frantically barking. When she went to check on him, all she saw in the sky was, like, weird floating and blinking red and green lights. Nice. Christmas lights. I know. Aww. I know. Merry Christmas. When... That same afternoon, a 17-year-old boy was driving down Route 7 near Mrs. Gross's house when a massive bird dove after his car and followed him for a mile or so. On November 18th, two firemen from Point Pleasant, Paul Yoder and Benjamin Enox, were in the TNT area when they encountered a giant bird with red eyes. Ew. 
And so this is about the time where everybody and their mother is seeing Mothman. Like, I saw Mothman in the forest. I saw Mothman in my front yard. I saw Mothman in my backyard. Dude, freaking honestly, like, to get real with you, if I had the power to time travel, I straight up would waste it on Point Pleasant. I mean, I'm Virginia, right. Virginia, 1966. After, after all of this, I'm right yeah. there with you, actually. <laughs> what a fucking time to be alive. Like, no, I don't want to go see the French Revolution. Fuck you, people. It's Point Pleasant for me. Point Pleasant. Or the Ros- or Roswell. One of the two. Roswell, but honestly, that would be such a matter of being in the right place at the right time. Whereas Point Pleasant, you pop up, there's Mothman. I know. So... That's fine with me. So sightings were beginning to pour in from multiple counties. People were traveling like hundreds upon hundreds of miles to to Point Pleasant to just catch a glimpse. And so the next sighting isn't until November 24th. Two anonymous adults and two children were driving by the TNT area when they also saw the red-eyed flying creature. News crews after that began to gather by the power plant hoping to catch the Mothman on tape or film or whatever. Mm -hmm. So at 7.15 a.m. on November 25th, a young shoe salesman named Thomas Uli was driving down Route 62, just north of the TNT area, when he noticed a tall, gray, man-like figure just standing in a field. That's a horrifying fucking thing to just drive by and see. The... Mothman is so visceral to me because all we do is, like, drive around places and get scared of shit. Yeah. If we straight up saw a fucking 10-foot-tall-ass dude just standing in the field, like, outside Moon Road. You'd piss your pants. Just there. We'd crash our car. We'd both die right there. We wouldn't die. We might just get hurt. Yeah. I don't know. I might just explode spontaneously. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Suddenly, it spread a pair of wings and took off straight up like a helicopter, Yuli said. It began to circle above his car, and Yuli hit the gas. As soon as he did, the creature began to follow his car, even though he was pulling like 75 miles an hour. Like, this thing can book it. Bro, is Basquatch Mothman? Maybe it's like an offshoot. Little side note, I'm going to revisit my bat squatch research and see if anything weird happened in Washington. Okay. After that sighting. Sorry. To just totally, it just, just I just got a brain blast. It's all right. I talk about our old <laughs> MIB episode a lot in oh, this, God. too. Yeah. So, uh, like previous chases before him, the moment he hit the city limits of Point Pleasant, the creature stopped following him. On the evening of November 26th, Ruth Foster came face-to-face with Mothman in her front yard. Hot. Her home was well out of Point Pleasant, closer to Charleston. And so this is what she said. It was standing on the lawn beside the porch. It was tall with big red eyes that popped out of his face. It had a funny little face. I didn't see any beak. All I saw were those big red poppy eyes. I screamed and ran back into the house. By the time her brother-in-law went to go look, it was gone. And so all of the rest of the sightings in 1966 and most are in 1967 follow that same kind of script. Like, Mm -hmm. I saw the Mothman. He had red eyes. It was really creepy. He flew after me. I saw him take off into the air. He flew over the tree line. And so, like, the news kind of stopped following them and stopped really caring because all all of them were the same. But at the same time, there were also a crazy amount of UFO sightings happening Mm -hmm. where people were seeing concentrated lights and groups of lights and like lights with purpose. For all that shit to be happening at the same exact fucking time. Really, really gets my goat. So all of this is happening within like a 50 mile radius of Point Pleasant. And so we're like all of these reports are just flooding into the newspapers. And so John Keel. Who will come back to you. John Keel. But John Keel devoted himself to recording and preserving as many of these sightings as he could as he arrived in Point Pleasant on December 5th, 1966. So I've got a lot of background info on John Keel. But, uh, like, he came in near the end of, like, the really consecutive Mothman sightings, and then, like, the alien sightings kind of took over. It just, it got to be that point where there was so much going on that someone, like, fucking had to call John Keel. Yeah. 
basically. I mean, I kind of think he went there on his own, but he's a weird dude. So. He, I mean, he picked it up, and at, at the time he was writing for the Fortean Times, which yeah. was like the big paranormal magazine that was going on back then. And so it was like, of course I'm going to go to fucking Point Pleasant where there's like a hundred UFO sightings a week. <laughs> like, yeah. Here I go. So by the winter of 67, at this point, it's been going on for an entire fucking year. Yes. Like it was real big in the winter of 66 and they kind of dwindled. But like Mothman and UFO sightings were still happening that entire year. Mm-hmm. So in the winter of 67, John Keel was pounding the pavement in fucking Point Pleasant. He yes. was a writer for the 40 and Times. Um, and he'd gotten to West Virginia after all these sightings started kicking up. And at this point, John Keel knew his shit. He had been all over the world doing, like, all kinds of radio programs, writing all kinds of shit. He fought in a war overseas. He broadcast radio programs from the pyramids. He had seen mysterious black cars just vanish on country roads, which is the scariest thing to me. Uh, had phone calls and mail intercepted, been threatened by men in black, seen UFOs, spoken to abductees. If there was a dude who was going to get wind of this and, like, get all up in the business of Point Pleasant, it was John Keel. Yes. John Keel was balls deep in this shit. So he's in Point Pleasant interviewing all these people. And in the fall of 67, he starts to notice a pattern. People are coming to him with weirdly specific dreams. Oh. Out of all these sightings, because he, he and like a couple of other reporters are just going around and interviewing everyone they could because every single person in this fucking town was seeing shit. Um, but come like November 67, this has been going on for a year, people start telling him about these nightmares they're having. Oh, shit. Uh, Mary Heyer, who was a close friend of John Keel and a local reporter um, who was working with him, told him on November 19th, 1967. I had a terrible nightmare. There were a lot of people drowning in the Ohio River, and Christmas packages are floating everywhere in the water. It feels like something awful is going to happen. So that's nice and... (laughs) That's just jolly. specific. Several more people between Thanksgiving and December 15th reported dreams of people drowning in the Ohio River. Dreams of cars underwater. Dreams of wrapped Christmas presents carried away in the current that's so sad lots of people were having these dreams a few sightings of the mothman himself were reported like near the silver bridge or hovering over the silver bridge in point pleasant so something terrible was coming so the silver bridge um connects point pleasant to a town called uh gallipolis ohio which is a little bit bigger and it had like department stores and shit yeah so that's where the um citizens of point pleasant would go to do their christmas shopping and their big big shopping and it was christmas time um silver bridge was this it was constructed in 29 okay and uh it was this old suspension bridge it had not been taken care of no it Um, hadn't it was kind of in shambles it's not like it was a super perfect healthy bridge i guess um but the bridge fucking collapsed it collapsed real hard uh on december 15th 1967 at 505 a.m the silver bridge packed with christmas shoppers going to and from gallipolis ohio began to sway and creak charlene wood a survivor of the incident said in an interview later when i got to the traffic light here in point pleasant i got the red light when it changed and started going up onto the bridge, just about that time, the bridge started shaking. And she was fortunate enough to be like, oh, put her car in reverse and like backed off to the ledge. Holy shit. Right fucking before this bridge went down. Loud noises were heard, the low moaning of metal giving way and the screech of cable snapping. The silver bridge collapsed, taking with it into the freezing Ohio River, 46 souls, dozens of cars and countless Christmas packages. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it was it was a real, real fucking bad time, like completely unprecedented, like people lost their moms and dads and kids like it was fucked up. Um, 46 people died. Uh, several other people were injured. They had to sift through de- the debris in the river for like fucking weeks. Yeah. Pulling bodies out and pulling wreckage out. Um. But exactly 13 months since the Mothman and the strange lights began to be seen in Point Pleasant, they stopped that day. 
they just stopped. Holy fuck. Um, no one saw Mothman. No one really reported seeing Mothman again in the U.S. for like 30 years. Yeah. And thus began the legend of Mothman as a portent of doom. Uh, dozens of Mothman-like sightings will crop up in the decades to follow globally, connected to events such as Chernobyl, 9-11, and more, baby. That's awesome. And more. So we are going to take a little break from Mothman Christmas and come right back at you with Apocalypse News. And we're back. We're back. We're back with Apocalypse News. I love you. Merry Christmas. I love you. Today, uh, I bring you Apocalypse News from the motherland herself. Super volcano may be hiding in Alaska's Aleutian Islands. Ooh. Yeah. So, and when we're talking, I know that nobody else in the world can see this because we're on a podcast and not a video. But if Alaska looks like that, yeah, that's the chain of islands that makes up this little, the little tail oh. that pokes out to the left. Okay. Out into the Pacific. Um, anyway, new study conducted by geologists with uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks point to the existence of a previously undiscovered supervolcano connecting four existing volcanoes in the Aleutian Islands. Uh, basically, they found a huge um, underwater crater that was like ringed by these volcanoes. Cool. Because Alaska's up on the Ring of Fire, like along with Japan and everyone else. Um, so there's lots of fucking volcanoes up in there. But... Um, they, the scientists said it basically means they're most likely connected by like a huge fucking caldera underneath the water. And they say it's cool, unlikely. Thanks, I hate that. <laughs> I know, right? It's unlikely it'll erupt in our lifetimes, but if it does, it's, you know. Like every other super volcano. Real bad fucked real up bad. news. I mean, especially since it's right there in the Pacific and like that's, you're wiping out like all of that part of Asia. All of the fucking, all that shit. I just think about the poor fish. All that shit. The, the poor fish. The poor fish. Yeah, it really sucks to be them, too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Poor fish. Poor fish. <laughs> I don't know That's what else. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else I, I got. Know. Poor fish. But, uh, I mean, you know, love a super volcano. I... I wanted to give you a very special Christmas gift this year, Morgan. And really? I want to I tell you a little bit more about John Keel. Oh, yeah. Um, he's the reason for the season he truly is and christmas is john keel's birthday and so i i went really deep not only into john keel but into like why he covered why he covered the mib and stuff like that and what the mib actually did over in like west virginia mm -hmm. so we've talked about john keel a lot before but i wanted to like go like the the true way. So John Alva the Keel, true the true way, the, <laughs> the, true way. the dumb and the restless way where I go into way too much detail for yes. absolutely no reason. Give it to me, professor of John Keel, Panda. So John Alva Keel, born John Alva Keeley, was born on March 25th, 1930. He was an Aries. Yeah, he was. He was born in Hornell, New York. His parents were separated and he was actually raised by his grandparents. He was fascinated by magic. And was published in a magician's magazine at age 12. I love that for him. He left school at age 16 after completing every science course that was offered to him. And then he was just like, washes his hands, I'm out. Fuck it. As he grew up, he was mostly a freelance writer. Like you said, he was a script writer. And for a brief time, he was even a Pulp Fiction writer. He wrote some naughty things. Dude, I'm down for some, some John Keel Pulp Fiction. Yeah. It's probably better than Panda Fan Fiction. There's nothing better than my fan fiction. You gonna advertise that to the world? I don't really care. I have no shame. <laughs> you, you could have put your AO3 username on blast up in here. <laughs> if anybody can find it, good fucking luck. Um, he served with the U.S. Army during the Korean War oh and I'm was write John Keel fanfic. Good. That's what I'm gonna do. On the staff of the American Forces Network in Germany, he claimed he was trained in psychological warfare as a propaganda writer by the army. John Keel's a top twink. He is a top twin. And Mothman, <laughs> and Mothman is his bitch. <laughs> See where I'm going? See where I'm going with Rated this? M, hurt, comfort, relationships. Calm down now. <laughs> Simmer down. <laughs> All right. After the war, John, John became obsessed with UFO phenomenon and took up investigation as a full-time pursuit. So... 
remember when I we were talking about how you can see Mothman and UFOs at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> so in January 1966, almost a full 10 months before the very first Mothman sighting, John Keel was busy typing a very strongly worded letter to the brother of the late president of the United States, Senator Robert Kennedy. Oh, strongly worded letters to Robert Kennedy? Mm-hmm. That's a great way to start out the Mothman saga. In this quite long letter... Uh, He goes into almost critical detail about how the U.S. government and the Air Force are basically doing a shit job in their cover-up for UFO activity. (laughs) I'm going to send you this letter. Please print it on a t-shirt for me. It's too long for that. Oh, God. But I will print it out for you. I love that energy, though. He encouraged the senator passionately to work on releasing evidence and documents to the American people and to take these incidents more seriously, at least in the eyes of the people. He says, already, average sightings of UFOs no longer make the press. Newspapers are bored with reporting that John Doak saw something in the sky. So I urge you to press the Air Force officials for an improvement and expansion in their methods of investigating this situation. And I ask that a full and sensible appraisal be offered to the public. So I'm pretty sure that this is the letter that got him put on some crazy watch list. Because he was actually sending letters to the government now? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he was having his mail intercepted and shit like that. Because... But that's the catalyst, you feel? In this letter, he puts his own detailed descriptions of his personal UFO encounters. Yeah, that'll do it. So the letter he receives back (laughs) is an obvious... Is obviously just like a form letter. Mm -hmm. Um, Polite, incredibly dismissive. It says that there's no evidence of manned UFOs, so it should be of no concern to the government. Yep. Nothing to see here. So when the sightings from, uh, in Point Pleasant went from Mothman to strange lights and metallic objects in the sky, not only did John Keel come running, but so did everyone's least favorite governmental cryptid, the Men in Black. You can sing it. Here ah, the Men in Black. There you go. Uh, so we talked about the role that John Keel played in penning the name to the actual Men in Black back in our creepy Men in Black episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to give a little bit of a recap because just in case you skipped it and just wanted to come to Mothman Christmas, you know, here you are. <laughs> uh, so Men in Black are men usually dressed in black from head to toe uh, with white shirts, black ties, black shoes, and all that just seemed to blend in yet still stand out in the time period that they were in all at once. Like, they were just, mm-hmm. like, a glitch in time almost. The stories say that they talked to many people about Mothman and other, and the other aerial sightings because I couldn't remember how to spell aerial, so I spelled it wrong in my notebook. <laughs> aerial sightings were, were prevalent in this time. <laughs> aerial sightings and told them not to speak about it to others. Linda Scarberry, one of the original Mothman witnesses, was interviewed by the MIB and described the following... The men in black wore black suits, black hats, and black sunglasses. They drove black cars, Cadillacs, I think. They looked like human beings, but their skin was somewhat transparent. You could see their veins in their hands very clearly. Their fingers were longer than a normal person's fingers as well. My dad shook hands with them, and he said that they were awkward in shaking hands. They seemed to not know what to do or how to shake hands. And the actual quote said daddy, but I really didn't want to say that. My daddy shook hands with that man. And no, it was, it was like an alien hand. It was just like daddy shook hands. And I was just like, <laughs> I mean, it was a six. Okay. No one was, no one was gross back then. Linda, as well as Steve and Mary Millette, both report being followed by men in black, sometimes noticing them taking pictures, which that's mostly what they did when they were there. They would just follow people around, snapping pictures mm-hmm. and then interviewing people and being like, don't say anything. <laughs> Don't say anything. Even when they were able to capture license plate numbers, the numbers came up non-existent to the local police. So they were just driving around unregistered cars. Secret cars. Marcella Bennett even claims to have had a strange encounter, even though she never came face to face with one. And Is she... that the chick who dropped her baby? Yeah, that's the chick who dropped okay. her baby. She was driving when someone in a red Ford Galaxy wearing a obviously bushy wig tailed her and eventually, but carefully, forced her off the road. Even blocking her easiest exit, Marcella managed to hit the gas and drive off without the strange red car following her. Mary Heyer, who we talked about a little bit. John Keel's reporter buddy. Yep. 
um, who is basically like his female equivalent. If you wanted to yeah. go there, she was Mary Hire was fucking putting the work in. Yeah, she was. She was going for it. She was interviewing people. She was pounding she was that pavement. She yeah. got sued too. Yeah. She had boots on the fucking ground. Um, but she was one of the people that was most harassed by the Men in Black because she was so mm-hmm. boots on the ground. Her first encounter was the one where the strange man with his bowl cut and his dark glasses, which was obviously a wig, discovered the ballpoint pen and ran off with it laughing. Yeah. God, I love I hate that that story. story. (laughs) It's so gross. It's so creepy. Her other her other stories were after that one were mainly from a distance. Like they Mm -hmm. were taking pictures of her, they were following her. Um Mothman witness Connie Carpenter, who saw Mothman after driving home from Sunday church service, and also Mary Heyer's niece, was the one who was almost kidnapped and vaguely threatened by the men in black. Her Mothman sighting on November 27th was like most others. She saw a grayish man in a field who suddenly unfurled a 10-foot wingspan and shot up into the air only to fly towards her. It's said that she suffered an ailment known as Clegg conjunctivitis or eye burn after seeing the creature. What? Her eyes were red and swollen and itchy with water coming out of them for at least two weeks after seeing Mothman, (gasps) which happened to a very, very small handful of these people. So that's probably what happens with people when they have an encounter with me. I mean, no, because I'm fine. Maybe you're just the only person in the world who's not allergic. (laughs) This is getting very, like, young adult. (laughs) So when the men in black came to visit her in February 1967, they tried to pull her into their car. She managed to get away with a torn blouse sleeve, but was utterly gripped with terror the next day when a note was slipped under her door, which read, Be careful, girl. I can get you yet. Written in all caps, block letters on a simple piece of lined paper. That's so nasty. Yeah. And like I said in our original Men in Black episode, John Keel never seemed to get FaceTime with these nefarious government agents. Every time he tried to, every time he tried to find them, they were already gone. When he published articles about the cars that they drove, they switched their cars. Uh he's the one that kind of made them go from Cadillacs to driving Volkswagens. Okay, so hear me out. I want a Hannibal style, like sexually charged cat and mouse game. TV show, but it's John Keel and, <laughs> and the, the Men, Men in Black. Black. And they just they're just exchanging furtive glances. Man. And like every time they meet in a room, it's just you can feel the heat of their bodies and they're I'll get you yet, John Keel. I'm never mentioning you know? Twinks again and at they're the beginning like, of an episode. Silvery tongues just like wrapping around his ear. And like it never happens, but you're like, oh my god, they're gonna fuck. I'm never, mention- I'm never mentioning Twinks Someone- to you again before an episode <laughs> Someone make ever that again. TV show. <laughs> okay. So. The Men in Black collected pictures of John Keel and undoubtedly copies of the articles he was putting out, not only about Point Pleasant, but all the other UFO stories he had spent his life collecting. Somehow, despite his years of worldwide research... John Keel abandoned the extraterrestrial hypothesis shortly after wrapping up in Point Pleasant. He wrote, I abandoned the extraterrestrial hypothesis in 1967 when my own field investigations disclosed an an astonishing overlap between the psychic phenomena and UFOs. The objects and apparitions do not necessarily originate on another planet and may not even exist as permanent constructions of matter. It is more likely that we see what we want to see and interpret such visions according to our contemporary beliefs. Keel went on to publish UFOs Operation Trojan Horse shortly after, which put forth the theory that non-human or spiritual intelligence has sort of staged all of these things to happen to reinforce erroneous belief systems. Basically, that all the weird things that we see, like monsters and mythological creatures and ghosts and poltergeists and everything in between, are considered byproducts of ultra-terrestrials capable of taking on whatever form they please. My shit. But he went on to publish the Mothman prophecies anyway in 1975, his own harrowing account of Mothman, UFOs, and Men in Black invading a tiny town, the tiny town of Point Pleasant, for almost an exact year before the Silver Bridge collapse. After that... The town just sort of went back to sleep, and John Keel spent the rest of his life doing the same thing he always did until his death, July 3rd, 2009, at the age of 79. I've got a little tear in my eye. And that's Mothman and the Men in Black. Thank you, John Keel. 
Um, I want to take another little break real quick. And then just just to wrap Mothman Christmas up, I want to tell you about a whole bunch of other fucking times people have seen Mothman. See, this is what I'm really here for, because yeah. we all know like the There's classic Mothman shit. Christmas. And There's I know we've talked shit. about I know we've talked about this before with like the weird coincidence with Mothman showing up in disaster areas. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited for you to talk about that more. Yeah. And I mean, we've been experiencing a pretty concentrated flap of Mothman sightings for the last like three fucking years up in Chicago. And we'll talk about that, too. Uh, so hit that pause button because I'm about to pee my pants. So we've read our poems. Yes. We've talked about Point Pleasant. Yes. And everything that went down in Point Pleasant. Yes. We've talked about John Keel. John Keel. John Keel. Yeah. The entire time I was doing that research, I was John just singing Keel. that John Keel song that you <laughs> John sang. John Keel, you're gonna make me cry. Yeah. Um. But there's still a whole lot of Mothman Christmas to talk about. Lay it on me. I don't know why I said it in that voice. I don't know what that was. That was like Michael Jackson. Anyway, so we got a whole lot more of Mothman Christmas to talk about. We got a whole lot more Mothman Christmas to talk about. Because Mothman excited. has shown up before, specifically before, like, human disasters. Really? A fucking lot, dude. <laughs> like, a lot. I knew there was a couple times, but... So we'll start off in April 1986. Um, in the weeks leading up to Chernobyl the world's worst nuclear disaster and this is the most popular mothman sighting outside of point like pleasant. point pleasant um but residents of pripyat russia reported seeing a bizarre winged creature with huge or and huge black birds in the area with red eyes several men who actually worked at the plant reported seeing an enormous man-like black bird with glowing red eyes hovering over the plant just days before the reactor meltdown. I'm telling you, he's a true humanitarian. Yeah. Uh, several other people in Pripyat who saw this creature also reported terrible nightmares and threatening phone calls from men with strange voices. Uh, Which, like, ooh, Russian men in black. That uh, hits different. Uh, That's even scarier. That's so much scarier. So much scarier. Scary. Um, on September 6th, 2001, a witness reported a large, crane-like black creature hovering over the Twin Towers. Oh, shit. Um, and in the aftermath of 9-11, uh, like, while it was happening on the day, several people claimed to see a large black shape with glowing red eyes through the clouds of smoke and debris. Which I didn't actually know about until today. Holy shit. Yeah, that, that one got me. Um, in 2007, reports of Mothman-like creatures near Minneapolis, Minnesota started coming in, like a bunch of them, um, over the space of about a month. Um, and then a month after those sightings began, a bridge on I-35 in Minneapolis collapsed, Holy killing shit. 13 people and injuring almost 150 more. Oh my God. You're fucking kidding me. Yeah. Like a whole, and, and like people saw him like on the bridge, like th- that whole shit, like the whole thing happened all over again. Oh my God. But Mothman. it was 2007 and we had like bigger things to worry about. <laughs> Mothman. Mothman. Um, in April, 2009. And this is the one that got my ass. In April 2009, many residents of the Mexican state of Chihuahua reported a terrifying creature in their midst, like a bunch of them. Huge flap of sightings, um, really specific, like descriptive sightings. Uh, He was tall, hairy, massive wings, huge red bloodshot eyes. Um, A young student said he was chased relentlessly by this creature, saying later about the incident, there was 15 minutes of maximum despair, which is not something you just say. <laughs> no, I'm, you I am in maximum despair. Unless you're me. <laughs> or me. Because we're constantly in maximum despair. Always. But you got to truly, like, really feel that to go to yeah. the cops and be like, hey, I was in maximum despair back there, guys. <laughs> Big bird chasing my ass down. Maximum despair? Mothman. Maximum despair. Ooh, that's a good <laughs> action movie. Wow. Too. You're really cranking and them here out Here we come, Hollywood. Yeah. You're going to make your TV show. We're going to make this movie. Yeah. Uh, two women named Angela Mendez and Viviana Ledesma claim to have been screeched at Ooh. by a huge winged man Rude. in their apple orchard. Rude. That...
sorry, my bookmark touched my hand and I thought it was a bug. But it's okay, I'm big and brave, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, that same April 2009, when all this shit was happening, that area of Mexico would become the epicenter for the deadly swine flu outbreak. The ding, 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 ding. you say? Yeah. And that one hit home because my sister and I had swine flu. It was fucking horrible. It killed my dentist, which is where we got the swine flu from. Awesome. He died. Awesome. Like, that shit was scary and, like, kind of makes me wonder. He fucking popped up for that epidemic. No. We've been getting... Since 2011, a rash of sightings peaking in 2017 in Chicago of Mothman. And, like, these reports have been coming out this year. There was another big one in, like, February, I think. Holy shit. Right before the unpleasantness. (laughs) (laughs) The unpleasantness. The unpleasantness. Our current situation. Right before gestures broadly <laughs> um right before all of this happened yeah that shit's been happening in chicago for almost nine years um it got really big in 2017 2018 2019 2020 we've all had real big mothman sightings um descriptions are six to ten feet tall ten foot wingspan no neck red sometimes orange eyes have been reported um, and Chicago Mothman has been reported as doing things such as screaming, going real fast, flying towards Lake Michigan. That that was the list. Flying <laughs> like, towards up. Lake Michigan. Screaming, going real fast. Not even really fast. He was going real fast. Real fast. Flying towards the lake. Um, but the thing about Mothman sightings in the last 10 years is fucking everybody has a cell phone. Yeah. And smartphones, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen, like, pictures yeah. that have fucking come out of this guy. Like, we got pictures of Mothman, baby. Um, a report in 2019 uh, from a Chicago Mothman witness uh, who saw it somewhere right outside of Chicago, closer to, like, Lake Michigan. Okay. He said he thought it was a Bigfoot initially, but then noticed it had a large set of membrane wings attached to the back, extending over the top of its head. He described the shape of the wings as that of a gargoyle. The body was eight to nine feet tall in height, covered in dark fur, and the arms and legs were well-defined. Oh, so he's, like, buff. Buff boy. I mean, what was it, the Bat-Squatch sighting that we were talking about? He He was, was like, ripped. They compared him to Hulk Hogan, I'm pretty sure. So, ripped. I don't know. I actually am going to look back at my Bat-Squatch research um, just just to see, because I feel like that's defo a mothman boy like that bothers me all of that bothers me yeah so greatly mothman's creepy creepy but also but i love him but in in the best way like he's trying to help yeah that's how i honestly feel like i feel like he's trying to warn and trying to help and that he's like an environmentalist and a humanitarian i mean he's a, a psychic manifestation of something else yeah you know like he's that I don't know. I have a lot of complicated feelings about Mothman. Like, it definitely intertwined, because John Kill's thing is, my whole thing is, everything is, this, it isn't so much as things from other planets and things living in the woods as it is interdimensional. We talk about it almost every single fucking episode. I know. Every single, like, the nature, the more, the more we talk about it, the more we learn about it independently, it's just, like, enforcing that belief that, like... It truly is. Some crazy interdimensional shit is happening to us as a species and to us as a planet, and, like, whoa! What's that about? No one knows. I mean, I just... I think it's kind of cool, because even if it is just, like, a psychic manifestation, it's literally the psychic manifestation of that gut feeling inside of you that's mm-hmm. like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Something fucked up. And, like, but it's... Even outside of Mothman, there's so... People have been experiencing shit like that ever since we were people i know you know that like that weird pull that you have no explanation for but like there's something something's pulling the strings you know yeah either it's telling you to go towards something or to stay away from something like it's insane it's in fucking sane dude and the way the way ufos and men in black are all tangled up in the mothman phenomenon too ah. 
And I mean, it just gets my gears going. But man. the other the other thing that I think is weird about Mothman and having the MIB get involved is like you don't hear a lot of MIB interaction with any other cryptid. Yeah. No, I, I as far as I know, no one who's fucking like reported a Bigfoot sighting. And there's bajillions of those. Bajillions. No one's ever been visited upon by the men in black. By the fucking men in black. To be like, you for, you didn't see that. I wonder if they have. But I I mean, I feel like I've literally been like thinking and talking and like researching about Bigfoot since I was like a babe. Probably would have come across men in black in that context. You would have. That is crazy. But like also it's just like UFOs and Mothman. Yeah. Hmm. And that picture of the astronaut behind that girl. Well, much, I mean, much to think about. Yeah. On this Christmas night. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful. <sighs> I'm so I'm so grateful to have spent Mothman Christmas with you, Panda. Me too. And with everyone at home. Yes. I hope you guys are safe and warm and safe. And uh holy fuck, we got like a week left in this bitch. I know, I'm so A week left excited. in this bitch up in up in twenty twenty. I just I wanna I wanna watch it like get its ass hit by the door on its way out. Yeah. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. Thanks for spending time with us. Yeah. Uh here in our, our little uh our little jalopy galloping. Yep. Galloping around Washington State. Um if you've seen Mothman, if your granddaddy was John Keel, uh if you've been visited upon by my Granddaddy Keel. Granddaddy Keel <laughs> Back from Revenge. That's the title of his porno tape. Ew. But you can always email Grand, us at Granddaddy the Top Twink. Yeah. That's that's gonna be his thing. Yeah. Well uh he's the granddaddy. If you wanna email us and ask personally for pandas uh fanfiction <laughs> please email us at please email us at dumb and restless podcast at gmail.com please take us up on that because i will give you that username i know uh where can we be found on twitter my love uh you can always find us on twitter at dumb restless pod find us on instagram at dumb and restless podcast that's that's the username yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's always you did a good yeah i did a good uh and if you enjoyed mothman christmas as much as we enjoyed unpacking mothman christmas for you guys i wrote a whole poem it's if amazing you're listening to this episode and you haven't left us a review and you liked my poem please tell me yeah morgan desperately needs good validation i need, a t- I need attention life. i need attention um i can't give her enough really though if, if you like our podcast if you like hanging out with us every once in a while and listen to some creepy stories and some dumb jokes uh go go ahead and like and follow us wherever Wherever you'd be listening, and uh, leave us a review on Apple if if you want. We'd love that. Yep. We love that. And Merry Christmas, darlings. Merry Christmas, dear. I don't know the rest of the words, but I'll <laughs> sing it with enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>